Welcome to the Serverless Mindset Podcast, episode number three, where today I'm joined by Henry George, the CTO at Trilla, which is also the company that I work for. Welcome. And why Long time don't you... see. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Henry, why don't you quickly introduce yourself to our audience um, and tell us a little bit about what you do and what Trillo is all about? Because that's a question I get asked fairly often. So you might just give us the answer so I can just then reference people to this <laughs> episode. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard you answer. You answer pretty well. Um, but yeah, so, so my name is Henry. Um, I grew up in Australia and have been in startups for the last kind of five or six years, um, jumping around between a couple of fintech companies. Um, I started a company called StepX with my brother to fund a student, student uh, like affordable and um, I guess like basically available to everyone, student finance. Um, and we were the first company to be UK regulated um, for income share agreements in the UK, which is great. Uh, and then I, I moved over to a company called Expend, where I became a VP of engineering. Um, so I was running the engineering team there to build a kind of business expense management type product. Um, again, kind of similar size to Trillo. We were, you know, about 11, maybe 15 people by the time I left. Um, so it was, it was pretty um, pretty exciting, but still very much early days. And then, yeah, been uh, at Trillo for the last year. Um, so I always had passion for fintech. And over my, over the time, I've, I've worked a lot with open banking and, and seen a lot of the issues with cards. And so when, when I talked to Hamish about what we were doing here, I got extremely excited. Um, basically, what Trillo is, is we're kind of rebuilding the entire financial in- industry um, using account-to-account transactions instead of card transactions. Um, so that just means that there's no, it basically is like a bank transfer. So it's, you know, it's free, no transaction fees. Um, and on top of that, we have the ability to add you know, all of the kind of fraud checks and um, escrow, you know, kind of all of the, all of the things that traditional card payments fail to do, we can rebuild from first principles with account-to-account transactions in a way that's fair for everyone. So I think it's, it's a really exciting opportunity for us um, you know, for any kind of clever problem-solving minds. Um, but yeah, anyway, pitch over. Uh, that's me. That's Trillo. Um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And, and I might just add quickly that first principle thinking is one of the main things that actually attracted me to Trillo. Uh, but let's move on to the actual content of this episode. So just to quickly remind, remind everybody of the format of these programs. So the idea here is I'm going to ask you uh, a question and then we'll have roughly 10 minutes to unpack that question. And we'll hopefully come up with some good thoughts and ideas for everyone out there to sort of utilize in their daily work with serverless technologies. The question that I have for you today, Henry, is as the CTO of a fast-moving startup building a fully serverless product, what are your top two or three pro tips to ensure maximum speed is achieved? And as I ask that, uh, I will also say without sacrificing product quality uh, or, or engineer sort of happiness. Well, that, that's a really good question. I think, you know, the product quality and engineer happiness one um, really doesn't matter because if you're building serverless, they're obviously going to be happy. <laughs> 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 um, no, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you there. And I, I, that's definitely something that um, myself and a lot, of, a lot of people in similar roles have spent a lot of time thinking about. Um, obviously, being in a small startup speed is critical. 
Um, and serverless can help or hinder that depending on how you do it and, and the technologies you're using. Obviously, building a cloud native, like from the ground up serverless stack and not utilizing any other technologies would probably take a lot longer than whipping up a Django monolith. Um, but anyway, uh, to, to answer your question properly, I, I'd say within Trillo and, and what I've seen in, in the industry so far, I think what the most important thing is probably good pipelines. Um, serverless technology relies a lot more on online testing, like cloud testing, rather than you know local testing when you're building microservices on you know, Java or Python, or when you're just building a monolith. It's very easy just to spin the entire thing up on your laptop, and that makes testing some things a lot easier, but testing other things a lot harder. And with serverless, you know, we really, we really have to test the entire um, platform together because you know you can't the testing one single lambda really just doesn't give you the scope to justify to to, to be sure that what you're building is working. Um, and to to do that, you really need to make sure your environments are built correctly. And that's actually something that um, Marco has helped a lot, as well as Matt, one of our other senior engineers. Um, the two of them have, have done a fantastic job over the last six six months, I guess, to really create a beautiful pipeline where every time we deploy a PR, it deploys to an entire service in the cloud. Um, so it's available, you know, I guess about 10, 15 minutes after a PR is made. Um, and that service is is public and available and shared to our QIA product and across the team. So that's really fantastic there. Um, and I think that's really necessary to be able to have developers have the autonomy to deploy. And every time they push to a PR, have that deployed is critical to be able to test these things. Um, and to be honest, I think it's also a much better way of testing than testing on your local environment because you get you, you teach people to look through the production logs and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd also say that spinning up loads of microservices is, is one way to speed up the... This is kind of more of a software architecture than a kind of infrastructure or cloud architecture problem. But I think in microservices, like in the old school microservices, we, we, do, we used to spend a lot of time about thinking about whether a service deserved a separate service or not, because there was always quite a high load, a high cost to creating a new microservice. And I think that dis- decision really causes us a lot of, it caused us a lot of friction in the past. Whereas in this current system, if you want to create a service which contains a single Lambda and that single Lambda does nothing except compress an image, you should do that. If, if you've got a unique piece of, functionality that shouldn't fit into another service and you know obviously software architecture is a complex problem i I won't dive too much into that but you know if it's if it should be decoupled and it could be decoupled um and it's just a single lambda you can spin that up and so i think that really helps speed us up in the long term because we we can end up using and reusing microservices across multiple functionalities very quickly um, whereas I think, you know, in, in the old school microservices where I've worked before, it's, it's sometimes been like a case of ripping something out of a microservice when building a new service. Whereas here at Trillo, it's really exciting because, you know, if you want a QR code, you just utilize Hummingbird, which is one of our services that generates QR codes. And it's a single Lambda. And if you if you think about that, like something like generating a QR code could be used in multiple services for many different reasons. And having all of these clear, clear but also simple abstractions makes us able to move very quickly from a software perspective. Um, yeah. And obviously the, the last and most important is um, when you're working with serverless, un- I guess, unfortunately, but also fortunately, um, it means you have to utilize a lot of cloud technologies, like the, the newest AWS services, you know, you, you can't really be, it's very difficult to do server. Like I was joking about earlier, it's very difficult to do serverless in a cloud native, a cloud hybrid, you know, very much open source mm-hmm. way. I think it is one of those cases where you really need to embrace the cloud, whichever cloud provider that is. For us, that's AWS, but it could be Google Cloud, Azure, 
um, whoever it is, you really need to utilize all of their latest products. So rather than spinning up your own, you know, AI service in Python on an EC2 instance, think about using SageMaker. Instead of spinning up Kafka, think about using EventBridge. And so to do that, I think you really need to have a lot of cloud knowledge. And that's where I'd say someone like Marco really comes in. He's AWS certified and our, our king of AWS knowledge here in, uh, in Trillo. He's a wealth of knowledge and it's fantastic to have somebody on the team like him um, that, that knows so much about the AWS services, how to use them and where they fit into each other. And I think that's actually really critical for a fast moving but high quality serverless um, setup. That's awesome, Sorry. Henry. Um, Might have gone a bit over time there. No, no, absolutely. No, that that's great. Um, there's there's definitely there's a number of things that that I'd, I'd love to expand on. We'll we'll uh, I'll ask them and we'll try maybe and uh, keep it somewhat brief. But uh, I feel like we should uh, delve into at least a couple of the points that you made there. One of those is the the, the you, one of the things you mentioned is the autonomy to deploy uh, for developers. I, I guess yeah maybe. Do you have any more thoughts on that one? Like, what practical steps could a could a could a small startup right now take, or, or or things that you remember us doing in the last few months that have sort of enabled us to deploy more autonomously? Whereas maybe, and I mean, I mean, I, I, because I I was part of the journey, so maybe I even remember a few things, but I definitely would like you to to add, to give us your thoughts here. But I know that there was a, there was a season where um, for us. For many of us in the team to to you know to to see something deployed, especially in production, it, it kind of had to all go through a single bottleneck. With might have been you, might have been me, or might have been another one of the of the sort of the senior engineers um, to sort of go manually and, and do certain things. Um, whereas these days, uh, pretty much everyone, provided that you know you've you've gone through all, all the the various checks and balances and the pipeline, as you mentioned. These days, pretty much everyone can deploy to production multiple times a day um, here at Trillo. Um, what, what what do you see as as, as important there um, yeah, to get I, to I the think point? I, I think I knew what you were trying to imply there at the beginning, but then actually you, you've, you've brought in the question quite a lot. So I, I guess that I'd answer it in two ways. First of all, I think you should have CICD from the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. at, at StepX, I built CICD as one of the first things I did. So as soon as I had a website up, I built a CICD system. And you know, that's not a brag in any way. When you build a CI/CD system and you have only a single website, it takes you, you know, an hour at most. But when you try to build a CI/CD system and you have, you know, a huge multiple microservice, multiple service technology beast, it's very difficult, right? So if you get that in from the beginning and you build in as a habit that whenever you build something new, you add it to CI/CD um, and you add deployment stuff, then it makes it a lot easier to maintain and to, to have that set up so that when you decide to save like what we did uh, deploy on every PR, it's it's only a simple, well, a simpler modification than building an entire CI/CD system. Um, but that rests heavily on another critical piece, which I think is what Marco was, I think I've read one, one of his blogs before, um, but obviously <laughs> it's also very true, um, is that having really good, clean infrastructure as code. So from the beginning, irrelevant of whether or not you have CI/CD, definitely put everything in infrastructure as code, whatever that is, whether you choose Kalumi, Terraform, any of your kind of favorite things. To be honest, I think that's the only case where maybe it's not as important to be AWS, like, you know, as cloud uh, locked in. I don't know, Marco, your, your thoughts on that. I guess I'd, I'd throw that back to you as a follow-on question, but irrelevant of what technology you use, having that set up from the get-go and also trying to make it as clean and as abstract as possible so you can do reuse and sharing that throughout the, um, yeah, throughout the code. I think that would be a, a really good 
step at the beginning. But I, I just say if you're starting a new company now, CICD and infrastructure as code from the beginning will save you a whole load of headaches down the track. Fantastic, and it will yeah. just create a bunch of good um, habits. But yeah, what, what do you think on the infrastructure as code technologies? If we're if I'm allowed to ask a counter question. <laughs> yeah, I I know I completely agree with you. Actually, by the way, for, for people who are interested, no, that's that's one of the questions we we get asked from time to time. From a from an infrastructure as code, we at Trillo we use a combination of the serverless framework and the CDK. So that's just putting it out there. I'm sure we'll probably uh, at some point write some blog posts and other things to uh, yeah. show to people sort of how, how we how we use them, what our best practices are. But yes, no, I am absolutely with you. Um, I yeah, I'm, I'm I, I I think honestly in this day and age, the, uh, we actually on a previous episode had a conversation with um, with Paul Swale and we talked about how uh, you know best practices you should always you should think of them more as rule of rules of thumb as opposed to dogmatic things that you should always be doing but when it comes to infrastructure as code is is one of the few things within serverless that i would go as far as to say that it's the closest thing to a dogma uh, at this point that, that you that you can have that you can think of you, anything else might maybe context uh, dependent i'm sure but it how are you going to handle, you know, multiple lambdas and 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 and, and distributed architecture without infrastructure as code, without going mad? Um, I'm just imagining deploying a lambda manually and then like clicking the button every time to test it and watching the logs. That would be a horrible experience for everyone involved. <laughs> the, 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 fun, the funny thing is that I, I do I do think that some people do that. Um, you know, and there's there's no judgment sorry, here. Sorry to anyone who does it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I mean, there's no judgment here. I'm sure that's a, that's a great way to even maybe get started. But um, absolutely, I mean, it, it, please, please, please do, do yourself a favor and and and, and uh, add some infrastructure as code to your setup if you can. So that's great. Okay, this this one is very quick, and it's so you talk talking about infrastructure as code and all that. Obviously, the other the the, the flip side of having infra, infrastructure as code is, is you also want I think people in the team to sort of know how to how to use it, right? So what would be your thoughts? And this is also, I think, a very common question in the serverless space. You know, how do you get people up to speed? Um, you know, you mentioned having having people sort of, you know, know, know the cloud very well as part of the team. That's that's helpful. Of course, that is. But, um, you know, how do you sort of democratize at least the, the basics of that knowledge uh, around the team? Um, what's, what are your thoughts there? <laughs> um, I mean, I think that's not, that could be a whole thing in itself, right? I mean, recently... Um, me, Marco, and a few of the other team members have been talking a lot about the CDK and the ability to use the CDK to reuse components and make it easier for developers to like abstract away a lot of the conversations around, you know, should I encrypt this SS, this um, S3 bucket or not? You know, because I think a lot of the discussion is not just about how do I write. You know, so, oh, by the way, actually, um, so when when Marco says serverless earlier, um, with a serverless framework. Is, is a framework to kind of deploy and manage infrastructure, but it also uses CloudFormation under the mm -hmm. hood. So we actually end up writing a lot of CloudFormation style yes. YAMLs inside a serverless YAML. Um, so yeah, I think there's definitely a learning curve to writing CloudFormation, but I think the greater learning curve is actually the understanding how to deploy and manage cloud infrastructure. I think the CloudFormation stuff is you know fairly well documented, but the, the greater problem is the knowledge gap. So yeah, I definitely think kind of increasing people's knowledge about um, how to use and how to tie these things in together, like, you know, doing some internal teaching sessions and getting everyone to kind of you know, read up a little bit about the AWS um, uh, technologies in our case. Um, but yeah, I, I think there, there are some better solutions longer term to do things like what we're talking about with the CDK, where you can say, well, if I want a 
Lambda, um, then I don't have to think about the fact that a Lambda needs a log group and that a Lambda needs this, that, and the other because mm-hmm. I've, I can just import the CDK module for um, a function. And that mm-hmm. also handles the IAM permissions and the log group and all of this other stuff because that's really the learning curve. I think these days a lot of great engineers do understand a lot of infrastructure at a high level, but it's sometimes the low-level stuff that, that kind of gets them stuck. So, or like yeah. it waits time, to be honest. So I, I think that there, there's a possibility, but I say all of this having having noted that while we do use the CDK, I think there is a lot more we could do with the reuse of it. So this is more of a theory of ours rather than an actual yeah. tested practice. And if anyone is out there and has used the CDK for reuse and would like to give us some advice, um, always open to having a conversation. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we've you're right. We've only recently introduced the CDK into our stock, and we the theory, as you say, is that it should help us make some things more reusable, as well as also, um, I think, as you say, sort of have have those kinds of best practices built in. And I think the CDK is helpful there because you've got those L2 and L3 constructs, which are sort of kind of pre-made models for how you know. AWS following the well-architected framework wants you to build uh, thing A or thing B. So yes, no, that that's fantastic advice. Lastly, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you sort of in a in a in a slightly controversial spot here. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I know that there's gonna be people with various opinions here, and we're not gonna be able to so- solve that. But just give us your two cents. Here. Tabs, it's tabs. It's tough. It's definitely there you go. Okay. <laughs> Bye everybody. <laughs> it's been a great episode. <laughs> you can mail hate mail to uh... I'm, I'm now gonna be hated by fifty percent of the yeah. of the internet. <laughs> um so the question I wanna ask you is so you mentioned at one point, you know, microservices, having lots of microservices as well as obviously I think something really key that you said there was making it really, really easy to 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 sort of spin up and create a new microservice. Um, and so it, what I got from what you were saying was that, you know, if you make creating new microservices uh, very, very easy, then you've, you, you now have this sort of that ability to scale up and keep things really clean and maintainable. There's, there's, there's sort of another school of thought that, that's out there where some people would say, and I don't necessarily disagree, but it's just a different way of looking at this, which is that with, with serverless, you could have what's, what's been defined as a distributed monolith you know, keep everything sort of into one repo and have all these various lambdas, but essentially it's like a monolith just deployed in, in different components, which is not exactly the same as having microservices with sort of logical boundaries and all that. So if you if you were sort of to give an advice out there, I know we've, we've played with actually both ways of doing this and we, we mm. now more in, strongly, I think, into the microservices camp. Is a distributed monolith the way to start this, to sort of build a startup, at least in the early days, or would you say that going microservices, going with microservices and making it really, really easy to spin up a new microservice is the way to go? Great question, and it is super controversial. I thought you were yeah. going to ask a completely other, a separate question, which is if you have a bazillion microservices, how do you document them? And I have no answer for that. So oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in terms of the distributed monolith, I'd say that I'd say that there's definitely a middle ground. I yeah, I, I think that you know it's difficult for us to know because I think you don't know whether or not you've made the right decisions there until you've really scaled. So we're obviously growing and we've got like a big team and, and users using Trillo, but until we reach the you know millions of people using us per second, uh, until we reach that kind of scalability and we have you know we've built out multiple products in multiple countries, I don't think we'll know entirely whether or not it 
like which parts of our infrastructure were too tightly coupled or too decoupled. Mm -hmm. But I, I would suggest that there's some things like like Hummingbird, our AQR service, which irrelevant of which decision you make is is clearly possible to be decoupled. I'd say that whenever you can, um, I, I think I'm, I, I fall pretty solidly on the microservices side. I think that if you have two microservices that you think might be different things and you later decide they're actually the same, it's not too difficult to merge them. But when you have one microservice that does many different things, when I say microservice, again, obviously I'm not talking about, like I'm just talking about a logical grouping of lambdas yeah. and other infrastructure. But mm -hmm. if, you, if you, know, you say uh, this, this event, um, yeah, this event stream is going to be a, its own microservice. And then later you realize that actually it's, it's completely attached to this other mi microservice. You can merge those two pretty easily because in serverless, all that merging is, is renaming, right? There's no actually, you're not actually bundling it. There's no compilation or anything. It's mm -hmm. literally just a renaming and logical grouping. So having those separated things and, and applying them together is a lot easier than ripping things apart. And it's definitely something that I think we've struggled with here is there has been one or two services which maybe had too much scope and we've had to kind of rip those apart. And yeah, I, I think it's difficult to see the other way. But yeah. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And, and it, I suppose, the, yeah, your answer your answer very much encapsulates the the, the difficulty and the, the various nuances to to this problem where there isn't it's not it's not really a black and white situ situation but uh, yeah we've 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 definitely seen i think at Trillo the the value of starting to define those microservice boundaries more strongly uh, as as we've sort of scaled up in recent months so henry thank you so much for your time uh, where can people connect with you if they if they want to know about more about you and about Trillo? Um, so just about everywhere. Um, my username everywhere is H J E George G E O R G E. So it's the same on LinkedIn, um, you know, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. Um, I, my Twitter is unfortunately not as active as I'd like it to be, but you can follow me there for some occasional musings. But probably LinkedIn is the best place to connect to me on Trillo and and otherwise tech related stuff. Awesome. Um, yeah. Thanks for having us and uh, and yeah. Please keep keep on being a, a serverless genius. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Henry. Uh, we'll talk soon.